Live from the TMO Towers East with power, it's Matt Geekab number 181 for December 16th, Tuesday, 2008. John, I said it was live. We're not actually, we're live now, but not now, right? But not, not then. Then. Okay. But then or is in now. the future. But now. But so we were now. Alive. That's right. Hi, Pete. But anyways, Hi, Dave, I, I think I understand <laughs> your, your spirited um, introduction there. Um, you mentioned something, I believe, about power. Yeah, I got the power. Oh. But you didn't have that. So, no. so uh, to review, Dave, Dave was on vacation. Yes. So a wonderful yeah. vacation from what I could tell down in the, was it the Reedy? Well, what's the name of that? Uh, the, the Reedy Creek Improvement District. That's right. We spent a week uh, down there checking out all the improvements that they made since uh, the mid 60s. Otherwise known as Walt Well, Disney for the World. most part, Disney. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Those other little things, but they, they take care of the yes. water and the, uh, all, the, all the utility stuff. Yeah. yeah. They're their own, basically their own county in the state of Florida. They really kind of swindled a great deal. But anyway, yeah, we had a great trip, but we flew home Saturday, Thursday night. Uh, there was a big ice storm throughout New England, as, as many people may know. And those of you who follow me on Twitter certainly know. And uh, and it wiped out, I think, in New Hampshire alone, it was almost 350,000 uh, homes worth of power. Uh, we did not get ours back. So. Today, we knew that we had to record the show tonight. John couldn't do last night. I couldn't do Wednesday or Thursday. And so it got to be, you know, midday today. I didn't have power. I was talking to Pilot Pete. Pilot Pete had power and Internet. And uh, the decision was made that, okay, well, if power doesn't come back, we'll do it in the uh, TMO Bunker East, which is uh, Pilot Pete's basement there. (laughs) And, uh, And so I was literally walking out to the car to get uh, to, to go over to Pete's and set up with the road podcaster on the laptop and, you know, go through that whole rigmarole and try and get it working and connect with John. When my driveway lit up like a Christmas tree, all the power came back on and oh. uh, and Internet came back on and everything is totally good to go. We're, we're and little... it wasn't even a lightning strike. No, it wasn't. That's right. <laughs> no. Yeah, this is the good power came to us. That's right. All in a controlled now, Dave, fashion. Now, they, they you told before, I think, you, you but they teased you that the lights came on mm. and off. And I, I assume that was when they were like, OK, here's the problem on this block. Now let's replace the things that blew up. Yeah, so so we did. We had in our neighborhood there were sixty eight uh, circuits without power, all due largely to uh, a tree and then a pole that came down um, elsewhere in the neighborhood. So I knew that you know they they actually got to the neighborhood today at about one p.m., which was great because I knew they they had a, a you know several hours of work to pull all these trees apart and and rebuild this pole and all that good stuff. And then, yeah, about 20 minutes before the power came on for good, it flickered on and then off very quickly. And I knew that was their test of, okay, let's run power through this thing. Let's watch which fuses blow. Let's go replace them. And then, uh, and then light it up for good. And and it seems like we're, we've been online for over an hour now. So, yeah. Okay. So we got that, but, but to me, Dave, that pales in comparison (laughs) to to the tremor that was sent through the, Appleverse. Yeah, so I'm trying with to the take... recent news, which um um, I, I forget, Dave. Well, of course we know what the news was. Um, yeah. So earlier today, and and I'm going to frame this. It, it, I'm going to start the framing the way Apple did it, and then I'm going to call a BS foul. But uh, but we're gonna we're gonna we're I gonna join go. in with you. But uh, yeah, let's toss it around. Okay. So earlier today, Apple, as soon as the markets closed, basically, you know, shortly after the markets closed, Apple fired up a press release that says, uh, "Oh yeah, we're not." And I'm 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 paraphrasing it big big time here. Uh, yeah, we're not uh, going to be going to MacWorld 2010. Uh, Macworld 2009 will be the last show that we're going to. We found that, you know, we see a lot of people on our Apple stores and the Apple stores are a much better way to connect with our customers as opposed to going to this once a year trade show. And uh, so Macworld uh, 2009 will be our last show. And oh, yeah, by the way, uh, Phil Schiller will be doing the keynote. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Why in Um, the world? So 
There, there are two Go. things to talk about I, here, and I'm going to talk about the one. My rant meter is, is pegged here. I'm going to talk about the one that I think is more important first, and that is why in the world, if you're Apple. Now, remember, Macworld is IDG's show, not Apple's. Apple doesn't care what happens at Macworld Expo. Apple well, is no one's friend. It's not their show. They could do their own show. They don't. It's Macworld Expo. So why in the world would they bother to announce three weeks before 2009's Macworld Expo that they're not going to make it to 2010's? Why wouldn't they do that, say, three weeks before 2010's Expo? Right. Why, why would they do that? Well, in my opinion, because this announcement has nothing to do with what they're doing for 2010. This is the holy crap. Steve, for whatever mm. reason, has decided he cannot or will not do the keynote at Macworld Expo this year. We don't want the stock price to go to go into a tailspin when we say Steve can't do the keynote or won't do the keynote. And again, we don't know why there's and we'll speculate here. Uh, and I know this gets off of our, our geek path, but I think this is pretty important, John. So, uh, you know, we got to do this. Agreed. Yeah. And and so it's you know, we've got to announce something else along with this that makes it seem like it's really part of some grandmaster plan. Yeah. Good luck, folks. I think there's something going on with with Steve Jobs, uh, be it that he is choosing to begin or accelerate his process of stepping down or perhaps. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I you know, I want to make sure that this is seen as speculation with no other facts than those which I have prevented presented here, but perhaps his health issues have 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 flared up or are worse and have been worse than than we were led to believe. We don't know. We don't. Or know. could or, I speculate? Yeah, please I, do. I think just uh, you know, again, Steve's getting along in years. He's he's we're all getting older. Um, every good executive should make a you know contingency plan for leadership, and I think he's shown that in a lot of the prior keynotes. And presentations. He has not taken the whole thing. He's handed it off to uh, Jonathan Ive and um, you know well, Phil and other people. Um, and again, you know, Steve, nobody will last forever. So I think he. he so one could view this as he's just trying to. Well, well, the pullout thing shocks me, but yeah. the handing off of the key, so so I want to you know just isolate that event. Handing the keynote off to somebody else, I don't think is that unusual. In this context, announcing the two things, I think, is probably not the best combination of announcements, right. if you will. Right. Maybe well, they could even, have held maybe they could have held that one back. Even the last event that they did, Jobs was there sort of as the uh, the the ringleader, if you will, the master of ceremonies. But he well, handed, CEO. he He's handed it off to Johnny Ive and then he yes. handed it off to Tim Cook. And I have always and I'll go on record now speculating, not speculating, saying that. When Steve leaves, I can't imagine Apple's succession plan does not include essentially a double CEO role. Now, they may not call it a double CEO role, but but I don't think there's one person there that can take over for jobs. I think it's got to be Johnny Ive in the CEO position as the uh, visionary kind of leading product design. And then right next to him is Tim Cook running the show making sure yeah. that, that the operations run smoothly business so, and creative. And yeah, you, you need right. both of those. Right. Of course. Yeah. And uh, so th- th- that's, that's my, that's my, my theory there. But yeah, yeah, I think that the the timing of this announcement really is indicative mm. of something out of Apple's control going on. And again, Ooh. that's my speculation. I have no, no okay. facts to back it up. Other well, you than pointed out the obvious speculation is Steve's sick. Right. I mean, come on. Everybody's right. saying it. Everybody's thinking it. I'll say it. You know. Yeah. Oh, he hasn't <laughs> um, looked good for a while. We haven't seen him in public looking well for a long time. So. And what he's got is bad. It, what he had previously. What he was had. Yeah. yeah. Now they yeah. say he was 100 percent cured, as much as someone can be 100 percent cured from a disease that no doctor will ever say you're 100 percent cured from. Right. And that this is pancreatic cancer, right? That's what that's what he had in the past. Whether that's back or whether it's something else, uh, you know, we don't know. Frankly. Uh, the only person outside of Apple circles that knows is the New York Times reporter that got bamboozled by Steve into agreeing he would never print what Steve was about to tell him. So, uh, you know, there you go. 
So, and I saw after after hours the stock dipped a little yeah, bit, a couple, and then it, couple it bounced back because today yeah. the Fed did the the Fed thing. And, right. Um, so, so for the most part, the the market was up, and I think Apple was up and down a little bit. But yeah, I was looking at the reaction. I'm like, it was down two, three, four, and then it bounced back a bit. So yeah, after hours at at eight p.m. Eastern, it was down two and a half points. So you know, so people are not panicking yet, yeah, nor we'll should you wait we'll for the news, folks. Well, you know. I, Okay, and and I know we're still on this, and we got to talk about the MacWorld thing because this is two <laughs> different deals. But I I would fully expect the market, if and when either Apple announces that that Steve Jobs is is stepping out, or it's simply obvious that that is what has happened, uh, I expect that Apple stock price will take a twenty five percent hit, only mm-hmm. because Apple has never been a successful company without Jobs at the helm. I think that 25% hit is warranted and and well-founded by the market, but I also think all it means is, okay, now, Apple, you have to prove yourself as a company without jobs at the helm, and then we'll come right back and support you again, no problem, no questions asked. Well, maybe not no questions asked, but, you know. I, I, I think that uh, – do you disagree? I'm with you, and I, I welcome our listeners sending your thoughts. Again, it's it's, it's early. There's There's a lot of speculation. It's – I think an odd announcement for a number of reasons we've covered before. Just but because it has dual aspects, which could cause a lot of alarm. Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely. Okay. Okay. So that's enough on the jobs thing, and and we do, folks. We've got a pile of questions to go through, but uh, but you know this is a this is a you know Apple lobbed a grenade into the middle of the Mac community today, and uh, mm. and we needed to address this. And even more important for the community is the second part of that announcement where. If it's true, and let's take it at face at face value, that mm. yes, in fact, Apple will not be at MacWorld Expo past the one in three weeks. That's okay. That, that's, take? A, that's a big deal. I mean, we've never mm. seen a MacWorld Expo be successful without Apple's attendance. Now, that doesn't mean it's not possible, but it right. means not, that I it's will. I will say it, it because you know, uh, and and. You know, the, the TMO staff all have their different focuses. Mm-hmm. Mine, I love going in the back. Right. I, 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 I'll admit, I blow by the big booths like Apple and yep. other big companies. I want to go to the back and I want to see the guys that are innovating, that, that are doing really cool stuff. And they probably paid their last penny to get a little spot where they can maybe stand or have a chair and sit and a couple of people can crowd around and dave you and i saw at the last show a lot of those people got you know our editors thought they were worthy of of recognition because i think that's where a lot of things happen so i will say yes i mean the media and the and the analysts and all those guys will say oh well if apple doesn't show up then it's a useless show i don't think that's it i think it's the little companies and the people that are really you know, coming up with cool products and need a venue to show it. So I still think that spirit is in the show. And let's hope removing Apple doesn't kill that that spirit. Well, and I think that I, I agree with you. For me, most of the show is about everything other than Apple. But Apple is that anchor, right? And without that, I worry that all the other vendors and frankly, all the attendees Mm-hmm. aren't going to flock to one place and aren't going to pony up all their money to get there if Apple's not going to be there. So so somehow IDG needs to take this and spin it in such a way that uh that they uh that they're able to attract that. It's the show is going to have to change. Mm-hmm. You can't take the cookie cutter and pull Apple out of the middle and expect that everything is just going to be hunky-dory. Okay. They tried that on the East Coast in Boston and it mm-hmm. I mean it failed miserably. Now Here's here's an interesting well, there thing. There were other problems, I think, with East Coast versus West Coast. Well, the there, New York there City, were. City shows, especially. Right. There were. On. But OK, so here here's here's the thing. Pete, Pete's waving his arms. Is there is there something you want to throw well, in I before just, I, move I have on? a question is, can Apple afford not to go to a Mac world? I mean, they, I, I realize, you know, they had their keynote where they a couple months back where they introduced the new laptops, and that kind of thing. But can they afford not to be there? I mean, this is part of 
who they are and their market and all this culture now. And I can't see Apple permanently turning their back on this. Maybe I'm wrong. All right. So, okay. So let's address this. And then I, I want to get back to, to the other point. Can Apple afford not to go? They think they can. Apple is not a company that likes to meet their customers face to face in this regard. Right. They're not anybody's friend. Right. This is well, like right. it or not. This is the mentality that Apple has. They like well, other you. companies, too. Yeah, there are. Sure. And I've seen yeah. a lot. I mean, you know, there are Sony stores. There are Samsung stores in certain select places, but they don't for the most part, I think, you know, really well, well some of them do at some shows, but they pick and choose. And I'm sure Apple will not stop exhibiting at every show. I mean, there are a lot of media shows right. and photography and video shows where they fit. So. Right. Well, and maybe this, that'll be the interesting thing. Is this an issue of them not one wanting to be at a show that's focused only on the Mac, but they're happy to go to other shows like CES or NAB right. or shows like that? Or is it, Apple is done going to trade shows and it'll be interesting to see really what that decision is. Here's, here's an interesting thing. And and this will counter my other argument. So bear with me. <laughs> Dave versus Dave, Dave versus cool. Dave. Right. So Apple, uh, you, you know, I was saying before the timing of this is something that was forced upon Apple. Let's assume that they decided six months ago, that this would be their last Macworld. They had already committed enough to this to where they couldn't just totally pull out. And, you know, even at this point, I'm not convinced that they they couldn't just pull out. So, so you know, this argument might not hold water, but let, let's assume that six months ago they decided, yeah, we're not going to do this. But if we tell IDG right now that we're not going to go in the future, but we're going to be there this year. Either way, whenever we tell them that it now suddenly release, I have to assume. And, and I, I, I only know this from how I've seen Apple and IDG interact specifically with how they deal with press and, and mm -hmm. other things. But Apple, Apple has a heavy hand, even though it's not their show. And, and they clearly call a lot of shots and IDG simply says, okay, that's what we're going to do. And it has to be that way because otherwise Apple won't show up. Well, now Apple has said we're coming this year, but we're never coming again. So now suddenly IDG is totally free to do whatever the heck they want. And that could be good. Right. Yeah. But Apple has only given them three weeks to do whatever the heck they want with the 2009 show. Had they given them three months, Apple might have wound up at a show that put a lot of egg on Apple's face. Because there are things, there are sessions, IDG, I'm, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm speculating here, but this is educated speculation in seeing how Apple works, right? And knowing how Apple works. But I'm assuming there are things, there are sessions that IDG just won't put on because it might offend Apple or would offend Apple. There are things that they don't do because they don't want Apple, you know, to, to say, wait a minute, we don't like that. We're out of here. Well, now that Apple said that, all that goes away. So IDG can do whatever they want. Now, they don't have Apple behind them going forward. So it mm. comes at a huge price. But the 2010 show will certainly be and, and IDG has committed to doing a 2010 show. So. And it's early. It's it starts like January fourth. So I hate them for that. I hate them for that. But uh, but anyway, they've committed to doing it without Apple, and it'll be interesting to see what that show becomes. Uh, as you all know, I'm I'm good friends with Paul Kent. He's in charge of the show. He's got a great team. I, I'm curious to see what and how they pull this off. Uh, but but for this year, you know, they they've got three weeks with two holidays packed in there where maybe they can make some changes and I don't know if they plan to or not. I mean, like, you know, I don't know when they got this news. Uh, I think it was kind of a shock to all of us, especially given the quotes that uh, Paul had in business week this morning, where he was saying he assumed mm. Steve would be at the keynote. So I can't imagine that they had a whole lot of notice here, but I don't no. know. So surprise. Yeah. So, okay. So quick item, ten five six. All I'll say, there was an update. We'll link to the details. I've, I've noticed with my pal, Little Snitch, I like it, Dave. I think you you don't care for it. I don't know about Pete. But um, 
I saw a number of new uh, daemons want to get out to the world. So one of the reported things, which Dave, you've gone on about, and I think we've all gone on about is dot Mac is, or uh, uh, whatever you call it now. Yeah. Um, is um, not entirely responsive sometimes. So they claim to have improved this performance to within a window of a minute. If you look at the uh, details, which again, we'll post, but I saw a number of new processes. So I think they may be part of this because Normally, little snitch will say, who are you? Because it didn't know who they are. So I noticed that. Um, I've heard I've heard scattered reports of, you know, like with any update of weird things happening. I, I don't know. I, I 10, 5, 6, my machines. I don't think you have yet, Dave, because you <laughs> just got the juice. And I don't know about Pilot Pete. Uh, have you um, updated? No, uh, I haven't. No, I've, uh, <laughs> I've had okay. power a little bit. So I've done, Dave, I've done my G5 <laughs> and my... Uh, you know, my uh, MacBook and uh, everything is uh, working good. But but Dave, yeah, I think you'll enjoy because they did have some specific mobile me sync fixes. I, I had I had heard wind that these were coming and, uh, and was very excited when I saw that 10.5.6 came out. But A, I had one machine with which I was getting online by driving either over to Pete's house, mm. my dad's house, or war driving in my friend's neighborhood where I know a buddy of mine has a... a, a, a <laughs> You laugh. You didn't I got get caught, did you? I, I had to get online yesterday, so I drove in front of his house and got on his Linksys. You got it. Uh, <laughs> it worked. It, I, I was able to fix a, a very specific emergency we had going on yesterday by, by driving two minutes down the street. So, um, but I, I decided, you know, uh, I don't want to mess this machine up. So I'm going to go ahead and wait until I'm online and I have multiple machines that I can go and rely on. And I've got full backups mm-hmm. and all of that is back in sync. And, and it, at the moment, that's not the case. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, on to the I show. To so the really to, big show. Is it is it time to get on to the show? All right. The really big show. The really, really big show. Uh, Dave. All right. We'll let Dave the, take the wheel here. Hi, John and Dave. This is Dave in Portland, Oregon. Hey, I've got a, uh, I've got a question. I, uh, what happens at work and at home? I've got an airport extreme. Uh, several Macs on the, uh, on the airport. They work great. They seem to work and play well together. When I toss... The dark side in, I uh, put in a, uh, a laptop or two from uh, customers or other family members that are running XP or Vista. Mm. Um, it seems the XP or the Vista uh, laptops suck down all the, uh, all the bandwidth, and uh, it'll, it'll hang all the Macs, the beach balls come up, um, web pages will time out, everything just comes to a crawl, if not stops. You shut the uh, you shut the Vista machine down or the XP machine down, and everything comes back together. And uh, again, all the Macs work and play well together. Um, I've looked on the uh, I've looked on the discussion groups. They say there's no uh, no way to uh, limit bandwidth uh, by assigning Mac addresses or anything like that. Any ideas? Um, I could just close Windows out of work and throw them out of my house. But uh, anyway, any uh, any help would be great. And here's where you cut me off. All right. Mm. Thanks, Dave. Uh, yeah, go ahead, John. Well, I'd like the throw windows away option. But, uh, <laughs> he said it himself. Those machines suck. No. He did no, say no, down no, all, all the bandwidth. So, right. so, 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 so the problem here, I'm, I'm going to back off here and say the problem is, okay, no Windows machine, everything's great. Windows machine, network traffic seems... And, and this is where we're going to drill in a bit. Network traffic seems to be slower now. Uh, ooh, 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 so this could me, be me, me. Uh, no, not yet. Oh, okay. All right, this is ahead. an observation. I would say a way to perhaps verify that. And then you'll have someone compliment this, Dave, but something like a, a, and a tool I've mentioned before, I'll mention again, Wireshark. The thing is somebody may be chomping bandwidth. Now it could be another option. It, it could be another problem. It could be, processor but to verify your speculation that the network is being saturated by windows is to run something probably on another machine like again a mac with wireshark and we'll link to it and that shows you all the packets and and it may be not the most friendly tool but it will display you know from to and 
that there may be a better tool for a summary, but it will at, a, at the very least. I mean, if you see a lot of activity in Wireshark, you can and and you can isolate it to the IP address of the Windows machine. It's like, okay, that's the cause. I think it may be a virus. And then, Dave. Yeah, well, that's it. You know, usually, let's face it, most cable modem and DSL connections are asynchronous, meaning different speeds upstream versus downstream in this regard. Mm -hmm. Downstream is usually many times that of the upstream. And more often than not, when somebody says, oh, you know, my, my network's slow or all my bandwidth's being used up, most of the time it's the upstream bandwidth means you can get 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 data down, but you can't send the requests out fast enough to get that data. And so everything slows down. And my guess is if you've got a Windows machine that every time you plug it in and, and turn it on, it's blasting stuff out. Just just like what you said, it's a virus. You know, now, is it sending email? Is it what's it doing? We don't know. And, and that's where your Wireshark's going to come in. Yeah. John. Yes. Yes. And I would say antivirus, either Clam, AV, like, or, or like something Norton. like that. Uh, on or Norton. Actually, I like Norton. Actually, on Windows, Norton, Norton, I think, is a, a good choice. On, on the Mac, well, no. And, you know, I, I have to admit, it's been a while since I've gone and, and, and dealt with spyware and viruses on a Windows machine. I used to do it all the time. And what I used to use was SpyBot Search and Destroy. Uh, huh. That and... and before they screwed it up, LavaSoft's AdAware uh, were both mm -hmm. great tools uh, for removing things. I think there's a new one out there, and I can't think of the name of it uh, off the top of my head, but, but SpyBot Search and Destroy is still out there. Uh, and that one will, will go through your system and, and at least alert you to and, and usually pull off all the, uh, all the, all the mm -hmm. good stuff. So, um, Okay. So that's a tough one, but then we got Rex, I think. Uh yeah, we have we have Rex. All right, we'll move on to Rex. Okay, um, I have to find Rex, so I'm, I'm vamping here because I wasn't quite ready. Rex? You know what? Uh, I, actually, the first thing I want to do is tell you about oh, our first sponsor, yes. and that is Barebones. And the software that we're going to talk about from them tonight is Yojimbo. I love Yojimbo. I use it all the time. I used it today uh, to prep this show. Uh, Yojimbo is a an information organizer. It will take text documents, PDFs, pictures, audio files. In fact, Dave's comment was played live to tape just now via Yojimbo. I, I actually put his uh, comment right inside the text of the show notes. It shows up as a little audio clip. I can hit the play button. I can hit the pause button and out it goes. Uh, really useful for organizing all sorts of data that doesn't really fit into anything else. Um, I, I have PDFs of the next message, Rex's, uh, Rex's email right in front of me here, all categorized as Mac geek cab. And the beautiful thing is I did all of this on my MacBook pro five minutes before we started the show. Power came back on. Wow. I plugged in my MacBook pro. It synced everything up to dot Mac. This machine here, the iMac in the studio synced it all down and boom, everything's here. Uh, it, it's how Yojimbo works. Oh, Pete, Pete's waving his hand. I think Pete oh, uses yeah. Yojimbo yeah, too. But I do you. I do use it, and I love it. About, I got uh, an email yesterday that said, oh, your expense report from September is missing a pre-approval, and we are going to mm -hmm. hence take $40 out of your pocket on the next paycheck. <laughs> now, uh, I think I have that. And I went right to Yojimbo. I pulled up my expense report and all my documentation. One of the things Yojimbo will do is when I get a pre-approval, I get a reference number. I do a screen capture, throw it in Yojimbo. I had the screen capture number, and I took it, and I handed it back to the company. I said, no, I think you'll find that, in fact, this reference number has my pre-approval. And so that saved you 40 bucks. $40. Yojimbo only costs you 39 So you're, wow. you're a dollar ahead with just that one instance, let alone, of course, everything else. <laughs> it was perfect. Yep. 39 bucks uh, for individual licenses, 29 for educational, 69 for a family pack, which is up to five licenses in a single household, all from barebones.com. Of course, that's Yojimbo. And now, as promised, Rex. Rex writes, my predicament is this. I have two Macs on a wireless network that both share a time capsule and an airport express slash air tunes. 
Whenever iTunes is playing music files on either machine and a time machine backup begins from either Mac, the music cuts out for a few seconds and then resumes playing. I play music constantly, so having this occur twice an hour all day is superbly annoying. <laughs> I have been in contact with an Apple Care wireless specialist. Her response was that the only solution that she could give was to either get used to it or shut off Time Machine <laughs> when listening to music with iTunes. Get oh, Call me don't. a selfish, arrogant Mac Rube. Rex, you self... Oh, never mind. Uh, but I think I should be able to use Time Machine and iTunes together over my wireless network. Would Agreed. you... John, Dave, or Pilot Pete, or your listeners have a solution to eliminate the gaps in the sound. Okay, there's two potential Speak. things going on here. One, uh, and and I, I will point out the first only because you've all heard it here. Though I think Rex's problem is more of the latter. It could be related to the fact that audio buffers on Intel Macs are not as big as we found them to be on power PC machines. And how do we know this? Well, when you hear the skipping, when we start playing an audio file, when say time machine is trying to back up my Mac or dot Mac is trying to sync or iDisc is trying to sync, or there's lots of disc activity at the same time that a music file is playing. Oftentimes the audio buffers fill up and it either pauses or it skips. That's one thing. The other, and I think this is more what what's going on with Rex here is that his, network bandwidth is simply getting overloaded um now i i don't know that there's a there's a good answer here certainly not with the apple base station though you could use you know in previous shows john we talked about using dummy net uh which is part of mm. the uh ip firewall utility and ip and the tcp stack that's built into mac os 10 and you certainly could create a dummy net for connecting to uh, your time capsule on the port mm. that it's doing file sharing and and limit the bandwidth there. And that really would kind of be the uh, the trick. So limit the bandwidth that that you can use when connecting to the time capsule for backups. Mm. Um, and, and that would that would be the answer. It would it would I, be. I think it's on port 548, right? That it connects right. for that. So what you would what you would do is you'd you'd create a dummy net that connects via 548, and everything that goes through that, then you'd you'd shrink down the bandwidth to say 60 percent of what uh, what you've got going on. Um, Pilot Pete's thinking that 1056 might fix this, but uh, he says that with a smile. It's so. called wishful thinking. Yeah, but... there you go. Yeah. I don't think so. I, I don't think Apple would go out of their way to slow down their wireless network. I, I, I you know, the wireless transfers for time capsule. Um, so the, the interesting thing is which, okay, so wait a minute, let, let's take this. So he's got an airport express is the airport mm -hmm. express connected to are, which device are the max connected to? Wirelessly, are they connected directly to the time capsule? Gigabit or wireless? G right, gigabit yeah, or good, wireless, good. or are okay. they connected to the airport express? Now, if you're connected, I was thinking somebody yeah. doesn't have the juice. Mm -hmm. So, if you're using the airport express as the device to which everything's connected, that maxes out at 802.11g, which, when you net it all out, is you know 25-ish megabits per second slower than the drive in the time capsule can go. The other machines might be able to do 802.11n or gigabit ethernet. So mm. making the time capsule the wireless access point for everything and then connecting the airport express in addition to the max to it that way might buy you some bandwidth that mm -hmm. uh, that that you could use. But again, if your Macs are only doing 802.11g, I don't know how new your your uh, Macs are, Rex. Yeah. That you know, if you're only doing 802.11g, I think John, you and I both found that the time capsule kind of transfers on that max out in the 30, 20, 30, 30. Yeah, right. Yeah. And and so it's certainly going to be faster than 802.11g can go, and so it's going to soak up all that bandwidth, and then boom, you're done. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so, so I would, I would say make it certainly make the time capsule, the center point of your network and connect everything to that. 
um, make that your DHCP server, make that and just make the airport express a, a, a client device on that as opposed to it being your router. Mm. Thoughts on that, John? Any, am I, am I, am I totally off track here? No. Oh, good. That's excellent. <laughs> yay, yay me. Uh, all right. That's good. Are we done? Jury? Oh, no, we're not done. How are we mm-hmm. going on time anyway? I should, okay. Yeah, should we talk about Jeremy here? We've gotten geeky. I like Jer- Jeremy. Yeah, Jeremy. Not the uh, not the Pearl Jam song, but the uh, the gentleman who wrote into us, right? Okay. Indeed. All right. You like how I vamped until I got the uh, thing up so nobody knew that I was wasting time? <laughs> I knew. Oh, okay. Pete knew. All we right, all knew, all right. Dave. Hey, Go. look. I'm, it's freezing in You're there. We're still waiting You're for the man. Heat. Jeremy writes... You've had lots of stuff, lots of talk about ports on your last two podcasts. As a mere neophyte, if aspirational geek, it would really be useful if you could do three minutes on ports for dummies. Three minutes. Go. Three. Really? Yeah. Starting now. Okay. Mm -hmm. You want me to take this? (laughs) Don't open them. Of course not. No. Okay. So ports, ports extend from, so we got to go back to. The basics of TCPIP. TCPIP is what your Mac talks to the rest of the world. A port is, well, we'll start here. You have an IP address. Every machine um, on your network has an IP address, as do pieces of network equipment. In addition to the IP address, you have a port. And what is a port? We're going to link to this. It's a specification by a group of people that came up with this years ago. Basically, a port is, I would say, a channel on a machine that has an IP address. So an IP address is unique. A port is a channel on that machine. And the thing is, you can talk from one machine to another if you specify the port. Um, And we will link to, there is a list of well-known ports. So if you're doing web traffic, it's port 80. If you're doing email, it's port 25. And we will link to that. So there's a link of, uh, so there's a list of ports that are meant for certain purposes. So that is, I guess, where we start, Dave, which is ports are, so one machine has an IP address. An IP address can have multiple ports that can all be listening for things. Some of them are well-defined, and that's where... Well, what do you think? Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll explain it my way. Um, the idea is one machine, one IP address can have multiple services running on it. So you could have a machine that is a web server, an email server, a file sharing server, and uh, a DNS server, right? How does that machine know when you connect to it? what service you're trying to access. Well, it knows by what port or what channel, as you said, John. So, it, you know, web service, when you connect to port 80, ah, I'm going to put you in touch with the web server. When you connect to port 25, email server. When you connect to port 548, file server. When you connect to port 53, DNS domain name server. What's interesting, though, is when you go out, like let's say you're going to go to MacObserver.com and you connect to port mm-hmm. 80, Okay, our server says, fine, hi, I see you, you're connecting on port 80. Well, uh, in your request, you're also saying, hi, I'm a a client computer, I want to connect to port 80 on your machine, and oh, by the way, when you answer me back, answer back on port uh, 33171, and that way your computer knows when it gets something back on port 33171, it's not an unrequested piece right. of data. It is a requested piece of data because now you've opened up that port, you've requested data, and you've said when this machine writes me back on port 33171, it is data that I want. Don't ignore it. Right. I'm going to take Can you this bring one- up a good point. Well, okay. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> well, to say this- firewalls, firewalls kind of do this. Thing. Right. Now, the oh. interesting thing is we all, I think most of us nowadays, have multiple computers or multiple devices, iPhones and, and that sort of thing, connected to a router. And it's always seemed like magic 
that you could have four computers on your network all connecting through the same router, connecting to the same website, but yet getting the data only they requested. How is that possible? Well, it's possible because of the return port. One computer right. might request data and say, send it back to me on 33171. Another one might request data and say, send it to me on 42372, et cetera, et cetera. And so the router knows, ah, if it comes to me on 33171, really, mm-hmm. it's going to that machine or it's going to that machine. And, that, and, and that's a watered down version of how it works, but that's well, how it that's works. that's good. And, and if you want to see that, Dave, yes. I think Terminal and NetStat. Will show you exactly that. It will show you source and destination, right. IP and port numbers, because you will look and you'll say, "Oh, one port." But like if you do the uh, the default netstat, it'll say HTTP, which is eighty, right? But then it'll show the other port, and you're like, "Oh, that's interesting." So netstat from uh, either netinfo, I think it is, or just from the command line, will show you all the connections that your computer's making. And it's a, uh, it's kind of interesting. Oh yeah. Uh, Netstat's a, a fun little command to run. And and then mm-hmm. Netstat dash N um, will, will give you a little more data and, and give you just sort of a, an, it, a real time snapshot of what's going on as opposed to just sort of the running um, connection status. So if you just want to see, okay, what's happening right now, Netstat is mm-hmm. uh is that okay? So Pilot Pete asks a, a follow up question, and it uh, is, "Can you do stuff on the wrong port?" And I'm going to take that to mean, could stuff? you could you run a web server on say port 81 instead Whoa. of port 80? And the answer is absolutely. Of course, uh, it's done all the time. Protocol is not necessarily mandated by the port which you are using. There are standards. Port 80 is used for web access usually usually but let's say your isp blocks incoming port 80 Uh but you've got a isp right but you've got a web server that you and your friends want to be able to access well if you can set that up on port 81 or port 8000 or port or i've seen 8080 is a kind of standard non-standard yep port yep that's right and it all just works. So, yeah, absolutely. You can set up servers on whatever port you want, uh, as long as the people connecting to it know to find that other port. Obviously, if we put MacObserver.com up and only accepted connections on port 81, uh, we'd all have to go get real jobs because you'd never find us. But, uh, but yeah, suffice to say that, uh, that you can certainly run. And, nope. and that's actually a good thing. You know, if you want to have a test server running, we could... And maybe we do uh, mm-hmm. have a test Apache server <laughs> running on a port other than 80 and we can mimic our setup and do whatever we want. But unless you know the right port to connect to, you won't find yep. it. Uh, so you now, know. if you wanted to in your browser, typically, if you want to specify another port in most browsers, you type in the URL of the normal site. And I think you do a colon and the port other than That's 80 because right. 80 is the default so you could do 8080 or whatever so it's right. uh i guess what we call security by obscurity which is usually frowned upon but if if you're not too too concerned you know i mean yeah if somebody scans your computer they'll find it but if if, if you make it offbeat enough maybe the the wannabes will pass you by right there you go all right that was more than three minutes but hopefully it was Ow. It was, you know, eight minutes worth. Good gouge. <laughs> uh, should we do Mr. X here or should we just move on to Chris, John? Uh, Chris? I think Chris. So, oh, yes. I think Chris. Sure. Okay. All right. We can do Mr. X next week. We will definitely be here next week. Mm-hmm. Or there. Wherever it is that we actually are. Chris, go. Take it away. So pretend that we had been talking about iPhoto already, and then this will totally flow right together. Oh, right. Of course. iPhoto. Did you mention iPhoto? Chris, yes. do you have an iPhoto question? Go. Hello, this is Chris from Atlanta. I bought my wife a MacBook with a 120 gigabyte hard drive, and she's fallen in love with digital photography of our two beautiful girls. Uh Basically, the problem is that she has filled all but seven gigabytes of the hard drive with mostly digital photos. I was interested in uh, finding out a way to 
offshore the photos onto another hard drive without losing access to the photos on the on the laptop when the laptop is not connected to either an external hard drive or isn't is away from the house. So my basically my question is how can I offshore my large amount of photos but still have access to them uh, either when the laptop is disconnected from a hard drive or when I'm out of the house. And then second, if I do put the photos in the iPhoto bundle onto a hard drive, how do I back up that external hard drive so that there's no uh, issues if the hard drive crashes? Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. All right. So there's two questions here, right, John? Yes. Okay. Uh, Libraries. Yeah, the right. Yeah. So I iPhoto allows you to have multiple libraries um on the same machine. And and so you can have when you launch iPhoto, I believe you hold down the option key, right, John? Mm-hmm. And uh yeah. and it gives you the option to either create or choose an alternative or different library. As far as having a library not on your computer but accessible to your computer, it's possible, and the way you would do it is to store it on something like your iDisk or, um, you know, a Dropbox or, or something like that. Of course, Dropbox actually keeps a copy of everything on your computer, so that's not going to work. Uh, but, you know, any sort of WAN-based or, or Internet-based file sharing uh, service, that said... It's going to be way, way, way too, unless you are always and only on high, high speed Internet connections. And I'm talking really high speed Internet connections. You're going to hate it. So there's no real way to connect to an iPhoto library that's not local without having a lot of pain. Um, Now, the thing is, you, you could get. Uh, you know, and we talk about lots of different vendors. I always go back to OWC because I've bought drives from them in the past. You can get a bus powered uh, fire, you know, firewire or USB hard drive, uh, portable drive from from them that'll store your, your library and you can just plug that in. Or you can you can burn your library to a DVD and and that'll, you know, that'll hold quite a bit of photos. But uh you know, Pete, Pete's saying it, 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 he's tried it and it does not work well. Right. Even yeah. If, I've, I've kept, I've got four libraries that I use regularly and, and three of them I keep on my Drobo, which is across the network and it works. But as you said, it does not work well. So if I need to work with a library and I, I have it set out by years, I, I go in four year blocks and have uh, 15,000 photos or something and that the, What's that? The curse of digital photography is that uh, <laughs> you keep everything. You know, unlike the prints that you used to get rid of, you keep everything with digital. Right. So I've got 15,000 photos, mm-hmm. and, and I block it up in four-year blocks. And uh, if I need to work with something, I pull it, I pull the whole library off the Drobo, pull it onto my local drive, work with it, and then send it back. That's Okay, that's so you, you're, you're saying that even over a 100-megabit connection— right. It's still too slow. So if you've got gigabit Ethernet, you're going to be fine. Uh, But otherwise, even over a 100 megabit connection, forget a wireless connection. uh, You're just not happy with the the results. It's it's sluggish at best. So there's no way you're going to do that over the Internet, man. Uh, Yeah. And I'm sorry to tell you that, Chris, but but I I just don't think there's an answer here. Um, Other than, you know, getting an easily portable drive. I've mentioned that I do that not for my iPhotos. Uh, Lisa stores most of our photos, so I don't really worry about that. But I store a ton of music. And when I travel, uh, I just bring it with me. I, I don't store it on my local laptop drive. I store it on a little pocket drive. And, you know, it's really no big deal to carry that drive in my laptop bag. And it works great. Uh, so so I, I think that's the answer. It's either burning it to DVDs, which... It will I, iPhoto will do for you and it works great. You put the DVD in and iPhoto just sees it as another library and you just click on it and you're good to go or uh, or, you know, store it on the other drive. Now, as far as backing up this other library, John, I, I think I mean, I'd go with Time Machine, right? Indeed. OK. <laughs> OK. You got you got anything to add there? Uh, 
or 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 back it up to multiple DVDs. That's what that's what Lisa does. Pete's saying he does the same thing. I mean, it. Yeah. Well, just burn it. Yeah. Yeah. Burn yeah, it twice though. Four point seven gigs. Check it. Put it in the safe deposit box somewhere. Offsite. Off you know. That's yep. good. You can you can reference our previous shows about uh, DVD and CD longevity, but uh, but you've got some time. So yeah, I think you're all right. Not much though. Well, it depends, right? We don't know. <laughs> How but... much time does anybody have, John? <laughs> There's a it's song the in philosophy here somewhere. <laughs> all right. Sorry, guys. Our our second sponsor. I'm going to put you on the spot, Pete. Uh, our second sponsor oh. is Audible, and Audible. If you visit audiblepodcast.com/slash/macgeekgab, you will not only have the ability to sign up for a free two-week trial of Audible Listener Gold, uh, but you'll also get one free book. Now, Audible Listener Gold, uh, when you're when you're subscribed, you have daily access to a newspaper uh, of your choice. It could be the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal. I think uh, there's a couple others that are. I think there's one or two others, but yeah. yeah. Audible. I think I've heard of them. No, they they take up a vast majority of my iPod or That's my good. iPhone in this case. They do. Way too much. Uh, I've got dozens, literally dozens of audiobooks, and uh, oh, they're fabulous. But uh, if you're a commuter and you like to read the Wall Street Journal, have it read to you. About 55 minutes to an hour a day of the Wall Street Journal is uh, read to me every day. Um, the big stories, the op-ed, uh, they have the New York Times. Um, a, a recent book uh, just picked up uh, at, at my son's urging, which is actually pretty good, is one from Orson Scott Card, who's a fabulous sci-fi writer, uh, called Ender's in Exile, which is uh, a sequel to Ender's Game. And uh, so it's good for uh, young ones. And I'll tell you what, if you're looking for the Christmas gift, That's this it, is huh? an excellent a, a Christmas gift subscription, a year of audible gold to someone who's enjoys reading or maybe like likes novels but is having trouble kicking off reading my son is a prolific reader he reads far more than i do and he's going to be 14 next week uh that's that's a sad admission on my part i guess but uh uh but but we've got a neighbor and their their son uh is not the best reader in the world but he loves audiobooks this kind of thing is what a fabulous christmas gift i'd be thrilled to get a year's subscription to audible and, and you get uh, a baker's dozen for your. Uh, I think you pay a, a ten month fee, and oh. you get and you get a baker's dozen, uh, thirteen free audio and a free book on top of it. Yeah, absolutely, audiblepodcast.com slash macgeekab. Thanks, Pete. That's great, and you do get the two week free trial if you decide not to continue after the two weeks. You do get to keep the book that you got. So it is truly free, even though you have to give a credit card to uh, to sign up and get rolling. If you cancel before the two weeks is up, they don't charge you a darn thing. I can confirm that. I tried it myself. Of course, then I immediately went back and, and signed up because I, I liked my subscription. But uh, but I did try it just to make sure it, it worked. As I've been saying, it works and it did. So audiblepodcast.com slash MacGeekCab. Uh, we have a tip from Brad that uh, we're, we're going to share. Right, John? We're going to share Brad's tip. Is that right? Yes. All right, go. Hey, John and Dave. Uh, it's Brad calling from West Michigan. Hey, I um, just want to first let you guys know that really do enjoy the podcast and just appreciate the hard work you guys put into this every week. It's, um, it is uh, truly, I'm truly thankful for that, and I've learned a, a lot since switching over to a Mac a few months ago. Anyways, I ran across a quick tip uh, that I thought was really, really cool, and I and I wanted to share it with you guys. Um, basically, I was having a difficult time in, importing a DVD into iMovie, um, and I like a home a homemade DVD type thing. And uh, since iMovie won't accept um, DVD content directly, I was having to uh, convert the DVD to a to a compatible file that iMovie would like to import. Well, if you take that DVD and open up Disk Utility and create an image of that D of that DVD, and then if you mount the image and open iMovie, iMovie sees that mounted image as a video camera, more or less, and will allow you 
than to import that DVD straight from the mounted image. It's actually really kind of slick, and it saved me. Uh, it saved it has saved me countless numbers of hours, frustration, and trying to get it to to work properly. But this um, this image idea is is really kind of cool. Anyways, um, like I said, enjoy the show. Thanks for all your hard work, and we'll catch you guys later. That's awesome. I, I've I've actually struggled with that in the past. So when I heard this tip, I thought, what a great cool. idea. Yeah, that's great. And and Brad, thank you. And and everyone, thank you for writing in and commenting and all that. If you want to get in touch with John and I, there's a couple of ways to do it. But before we tell you the ways to get in touch for the show, we're going to tell you how you can come watch the show next the month. Show. The, the show. The show at Macworld? Yeah, man. So there are uh, two times that you can catch John and I at uh, at Macworld Expo. The first will be Tuesday afternoon at 4.30 p.m. Uh, this is on the podcast stage, which I believe, oh, man, I think it's, I forget if it's in the North Hall or North Hall or South Hall. What did I say, John? Do, do I have it here? I don't have it here. Okay, we'll, we'll tell Tuesday. you. It's Tuesday at 4.30. Now, the plan was that, that show uh, was going to be you and I out there and the focus of it was going to be uh, talking about the keynote and then taking some questions at this point. All I'll say now well, knowing what we know, <laughs> bets are off. please bring lots of questions. We have an hour to fill. Uh, so and bring snacks, <laughs> but not the kind of snacks that you'd be tempted, say, to throw. Uh, you know, maybe the no, kind no, of no, no. want to keep to yourself. Not at us. Not, not at us. Nothing that's to do right. with us. And no cricket recordings. That's right. <laughs> no, I'd say cupcakes or snacks or... Cupca uh, we like cupcakes. You could throw cupcakes. <laughs> Just make sure, you know, yell heads up before they're on their way. Tasty cupcakes. <laughs> Tasty. That's right. Uh, we like the kind with the cream cheese frosting. That's really good stuff. Um and then Thursday, same spot. And, you know, I say same spot as though I told you where the first spot was. So same spot Thursday afternoon yeah. at 2.30 where John and I will talk through uh, the stuff we saw on the show floor as well as perhaps some of the things that uh, John and I and the rest of the TMO staff picked as our mm -hmm. editor's choice. So that's uh, Tuesday at 4.30 yeah, so p.m. It's a fast and furious debate when we oh, yeah. pick our... Yeah. It is. That's good. So that's it. And then Thursday morning at 11 a.m. Uh -huh. is my uh, my oh, running you. your Mac lean, clean and mean. And gosh, I got to look at those slides. When? Morning? Thursday morning at 11 a.m. So it, I'll be fine because oh, we've got the Cirque du Mac party uh, Wednesday night, the night prior. And uh, and that's uh, we'll be fine by 11 a.m. When's the party? Oh, Wednesday night, 8 o'clock. Broadway Studios. Uh -huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. We have uh, Ambrosia, Dr. Bot, Accelerate, Microsoft, and Sonic Roxio are, are cool. the sponsors and, for the party this and year. And I think if you see me or you, we can probably slip you a ticket. That's right. So, yeah, come to the thing on, on Tuesday at 4.30. Impress us yeah. with your questions or your cupcakes, and uh, <laughs> we, we might have tickets. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, might. So. You know, it's yeah, and everybody that... Everybody that submitted a haiku for the Macworld passes actually gets it. Whether you won or not, you get two free tickets to Cirque du Mac. So um, we, we have some we have some some uh, some discretionary funds in terms of the way we can hand out the tickets. It's a good thing. I, I know the guy that Sweet. sort of organizes it. So it's a good thing. <laughs> Hope so. I uh, do, too. Uh, yeah, that's right. Other ways to contact us. Well, you know we like audio comments and email, and you can uh -oh. send both of those to the email address, John, is? Oh, you cut out, but I think it's feedback at com. Nicely done, sir. Uh, <sighs> and the phone number you that you out, call. cut out, though. Check uh, it. That's okay. It, it, no, I, I heard it, so we're good. It, the yeah. phone number is 206-666-GEEK, which is? Something that blows my head off, but it, it's 4335. That's right. And uh, and then you can visit MacGeekGab.com. That will bring you to the show notes. Uh, and uh, you can Skype to MacGeekGab.com. And you know yeah. that not just me, but John and I love iTunes comments. <laughs> yes. Most of them. <laughs> almost we, all. Almost all of them. 
we appreciate the work that goes into all of them. Should we talk about Matthew's thing here? I know we're at the hour mark here, John, which is longer than uh, we usually go. Uh, no. But uh, Pete's here telling me it doesn't Pete's matter. More bricks. More bricks. <laughs> <laughs> we can do Matthew, right, John? Right. Sure you can, go. guys. They can pause Matthew writes in. As per your suggestion, I decided to give Onyx a try to do some much-needed maintenance on my Mac Mini PowerPC. Since I am not sure about all I needed to do, I chose to do the automation feature. Everything was checked for both cleaning and rebuilding. After that ran, I noticed that the computer was overall faster and shutdowns and startups were pretty quick as well. However, after that, I noticed my problem. Whenever I opened Safari, the blue bar at the top would start, then I would get the spinning beach ball, then finally about a minute after I opened the browser, the page would load. This happens every page I tried to go to, even major sites like Google and Yahoo. I decided to try Firefox to see if there was a problem with Safari. So finally, after I got to the Mozilla page and clicked to download, I noticed my download speed was 1.2 megabits per second constant. I figured this ruled out my Ethernet and router modem. I installed Firefox and it does the same thing, but it is a bit faster than Safari. By the way, I also have a MacBook Intel in which I ran the same Onyx automation and it is running Safari just fine. Any help would be great. Okay. Hmm. Do you want to take this one, John? I would say system preferences, network, Ethernet. What's going on there? Um, but I would say specifically, you know, look there and look in the DNS section, I think is what we want to see. What, what's going on there? Either that or the, the router, I think. Yep. Because it, all of a sudden slowing down, to me, it indicates, and I think we talked about this before, if you go to the terminal and you do NSLOOKUP or things like that, you'll see, because it sounds to me, if it's sitting there just waiting, that's a misconfiguration, which may have been cleared out by the uh, utility that was most recently used. Oops. Yep. Yeah, I, I think... That's my take. Yeah, they're, they're, you're right. Yeah, there's a DNS cache. It It seems odd that... If it was working prior, it would now fail unless when it rebuilt that DNS cache, there were some issues. I would actually run Onyx again. Um, mm. You know, okay. it runs a permissions repair as part of its deal. Uh, so it may clean the caches before that permissions repair and perhaps something got screwed up. So I would I would run it again and see if it see if it takes. Otherwise, yeah, I'd go and look, see if there's anything in that. Uh, I would compare on both machines. You got one that works, one that doesn't. Check your DNS because that definitely where the issue is. Now, it may be the DNS server. It may just be the cache. Um, but you could also, you know, um, you know, pull, make them match. And I, I think that would be the uh, that would be the key here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the other way to test it would be go to the command line and type. And I know this command is deprecated, but for this instance, I, I really like mm-hmm. it. Type ns lookup, that is name yep. server lookup, all one one command, no no space. Ns lookup space www.apple.com. And when you do that, what you should see is something uh, that tells you the IP address of what apple.com is at the bottom. But the first thing it's going to tell you is the server. And that's the mm-hmm. domain name server that it's looking up. So that will tell you what the first place is your computer is looking to try and find yep. the address and I've seen of that domain. When they fail, it'll say, tried this DNS server. Right. Yep. Tried this one. Tried this one. Because a lot of times when you get a DNS record or uh, information from a DNS server, it'll say, here's, here's the main one. Here's a few others you may want to try. Right. Or you may manually, like your your admin may say, like we've had this, your admin may say, or you just glean this from other sources, I'll put in these addresses as well. Right. But if they all fail, then, yeah, in that case, you probably have a storm. <laughs> your power that's, or your cable not, company is shut down. Well, that's not really no, I, funny, I start with though. a ping. <laughs> No, it's hilarious. There's a trick. <laughs> no, I'd start with a ping. So if you ping something, next step, DNS. But DNS is a, a bottleneck. It, it sucks. Yeah, it, it can be. I, I, I really am happy with open DNS. Uh, yep. Highly recommend it. it. It can be very useful. In fact, 
now that I have a new IP address, I need to go and re-register with OpenDNS so that uh, it does what it's supposed to do for me. Don't they automatically kind of do that? No, they, they can't know. Oh. They, they, they go by what your network's IP address is. So, yeah. I'm sure I could run a little client here that automatically updated them, but the fact is that I don't. So, Okay. No, I was wondering. Yeah. All right. Macworld Expo is January 5th through 9th. Next show, next week, Monday, will be our Macworld tip show. So uh, send in your tips. We've got quite a few. We've got some of our own. We've got a lot from you. We're going to share them uh, as part of our show. So please make sure you send them in. This is the last chance you've got to to get those through. Last That's right. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, no, that show will be on the 22nd of December, right? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, it'll be 26. So we won't be doing the show on Festivus. That's okay. You're going to actually do it Festivus. on Monday. <laughs> we can do it on Monday. That's, that's like right. the first time in, in a month. Months. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Wow. So, that's right. iPhone Alley at iPhoneAlley.com is the home of the iPhone Alley podcast. It's also where Michael Johnston spends his days. And uh, he, of course, <laughs> converts this show to AAC for you. Cashfly hosting at Cashfly.com provides all the bandwidth for this show. They have a special going on. If you sign up before end of day tomorrow, so one more thing, you get, uh, I think, a free month. So go check it out. Cashfly.com. Podcast Marketplace. A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine. Yojimbo from Barebone Software. Disc Label from Smile on My Mac. Notebook from Circus Ponies. And a free book and two free weeks from audiblepodcast.com slash MacGeekGab all through the MacBeat Media Podcast Network. We made it, John. By hook or by crook. I mean, you you got the power. Yeah, barely. Mm. It may flick out at any time. No, no, don't say that, dude. What's the matter with you? (laughs) The UPS is recharged up. The show is going to finish. I don't care what happens now. We're driving around looking for internet connections. (laughs) Don't get caught. Made up.